Sing along with me. It seems I remember her best when the moon is high. And on the horizon she waits where the sea touches the sky. Long until we get to the chorus. And we we'll walk the beaches, we'll go away the island teaches all westward wind. Check out the harms. Filling my sails. Giving me time to spend. Alright, that's good, that's good, that's good. I love that song. It's called Westward Wind. And it's off of an album from, I think there's only two of us, maybe three of us in this room that would know who these guys are. <laughs> England, Dan, and John Ford Coley doesn't get much more 70s looking than this, does it? Right, Steve? Steve was a DJ back in the 70s, so I'm sure he played several songs off of this album. Um, I love these guys. And um, it was, uh, this was a handful of albums that I know like from the beginning to end, just like almost every word, every note. Uh, I had some friends that I used to play with, so actually several of the songs that are on here I could play, and I love this one. Kia C had that nice little roll, little harms, nice electric guitar solo later on. So this is kind of one of the seminal albums of my youth, probably about your age. And so we did a Christmas Secret Santa thing, and so there was someone in my English class uh, that uh, gifted me with this album. So that was my secret Santa gift, was a, a copy of England, Dan, and John Ford Coley, but I already had a copy, and it was this one. So here's what happened. I had met up with a guy a few weeks later, a guy named Joel, and actually, we both knew a song. It's on the second side. It's uh, number three on the second side called Showboat Gambler, and Joel was a banjo player. Tonight our bolt the Delta Queen. For New Orleans, and then there's a little banjo kind of lick on the other side. So Joel and I are playing Showboat Gambler from this album. I said, hey, you know what? I have a second album. Somebody just gave me in, in, in our Secret Santa a few weeks ago another album. And he said, I only need one, so do you want to have it? And he said, oh, that would be great, because he was a big England Dan and John Ford Coley uh, fan too. So I went home, and uh, guess which album I was ready to give him? The new one or the one I already had, which was the used one? Yeah, okay, so actually I was ready to give him this one. And by the way, because I'd played it, it was always a little scratchy. If you, any of you have vinyl, you know, kind of gets scratchy after a while. The dog had chewed on it. You can kind of see it had been, you know, pretty used. This is a little bent and the whole deal. And I was ready to give him this album. And then my mom said, you're going to what? You can't give him that one. That's used. You have to give him the new one. And I went, what? Oh, come on, mom. Really? <sighs> So with kind of grumbling and mumbling and not really understanding, not really wanting to at all, I gave Joel, his name, the banjo player, the guy, um, and he was just overwhelmed. Still had the plastic on it and everything, and it was the album that I ended up giving him, and I stayed with the old scratchy one, which is that exact same album right there. So I begrudgingly gave that one away. Mom was right, even though, and I knew in my bones that that's what was the right thing to do, but it was sure, surely something that I didn't really um, participate too enthusiastically. Now, many years later, I kind of held sort of a minor grudge about this for a long time. I could have bought another one, right? But, um, but what happened from that time on, something clicked inside of me that actually that's a fairly important and seminal moment in my life. And actually some of you, those of you that know me, I can kind of trace back this value that I have, which is pretty real, and some of you attested it, you test it, and know that this is true in me. There's one thing that I, uh, um, the way I grew up, 
having to do a little bit with that. Um, if you really need help, and if you really need something from me, those of you that know me know this is true, you can have, if you really need something, ask me. Anything, mine is yours, except for my wife and kids. And uh, there was a guy at NAS that, that tested that and said, dude, Q, do you really mean that? And said, yeah, if you're really in a pinch and you need help, anything mine is yours, except for my wife and kids. Said, well, hey, my car broke down. It's going to be in the shop for two days. Can I borrow a vehicle? Sure. I think I can get a ride from my wife, and you can have my minivan. It's the one that's out, out parked on the side. And he said, whoa, 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 whoa. I really don't need it. I just wanted to test you to see if that was true. Um, starting with that album story, we're going to talk a little bit about connecting the dots. Um, but what began with something that my mom told me I should do that I didn't want to hear, some good things came from, from it. Uh, and I believe that's kind of what we're going to talk about tonight, and that's what we've been talking about, is just uh, some difficult things that God might have us go through actually can be translated into greater faith, greater grace, greater understanding of God's plan for our lives, not so much ours. So sometimes we are told what we don't want to hear. Has anyone here ever had an athletic injury where the doctor told you that probably your season was over? Maybe it hasn't happened to you, but maybe we know somebody that's ha that that's happened to. Well, we probably know that what we're hearing is right, but we try to ignore it or we try to run away or argue or flat out disagree because it's the last thing that we want, that we want to hear. Often people will treat what God might say to us in the same manner, not just what a doctor would say. We hear what God is saying. We know it. We hear it clearly. It registers with us, but we don't want to pay attention to it, and we discard or ignore or argue with him, even though we know that God is probably right. So I know we're, in the, we're at the end of a three-part series that I think has been great. I was here two weeks ago, and I had a chance, I think the series, When God is, is Silent, and uh, I heard Christina two weeks ago talk about Almost a universal experience. It's when um, where there's a dark night of the soul, when we just feel overwhelmed by loneliness and darkness, when God seems to be completely absent, and just about everyone probably has had or will have some kind of a period like this in their lives. I wasn't here last week, but I talked to Elliot a little bit, and he told me that uh, what he talked about is how often it seems that God has left us. Where is God? Where are you? Have you moved away? when the fact of the matter is God hasn't really moved away. We're the ones that have done the moving. We're the ones that have walked in the opposite direction. So tonight, sometimes we hear God clearly, but we don't agree. We can't absorb. We don't pay attention to what we hear. So the series has actually been, and I love this, has been a brief study of the people of Israel which are God's people that we read about in the Old Testament, and how the prophet Jeremiah is describing a time in her history, in Israel's history, known as the exile. The exile. So what happened during the exile is that Israel was taken into captivity, into exile, and they were taken to Babylon, which is modern-day Iran, I believe. No, Iraq. And they were taken against their will. They were forced to live in a foreign country. And so we are told that much of Jerusalem was destroyed. Loved ones were killed. Property was stolen and ransacked. An entire nation basically was uprooted and captured and taken away. So honestly, if that were you, how would you feel about being conquered by force 
and helped captive against your will? How would you feel about being taken into a foreign country not knowing what might happen next, fearing for your lives even? What would you think? What would you think about your captors and your new rulers? More importantly, if you were a people that was supposed to know God, what would you be thinking about a God who said he would guard you, a God who said that he would protect you, so let's read carefully the words of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, 4 through 10 says this. And we'll stop a little bit and kind of unpack some of this. Thus says the Lord of hosts. So this is Jeremiah speaking on God's behalf. The God of Israel to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Stop. There is a hard word to hear. To all the exiles whom I have sent into exile? What did you do, God? You sent us into exile? It's your fault that we're away from our homeland? That our houses were destroyed and we're here in this God-forsaken place? It's your fault? You did it? Ooh, that's a tough thing to hear. But now let's go on. Verse 5. Build houses. And live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease. What's God saying? We're in exile and he's saying to us, just live a normal life. Just go about your every day in and day out in the best way that you can. Verse 7. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf for in its welfare you will find your welfare. We'll come back to that verse later. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they dream because they're bogus leaders. There are bogus leaders that are not speaking on God's behalf for it is a lie and they are prophesying to you in my name, but I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. For 70 years, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. Whoa. So, during the exile, quite possibly during these next four years of presidency, the people of Israel were angry, horked off. They were hurt, they were deflated, they were scared, they were shamed. They were devastated. They were belittled. You name it. They felt hopeless. Have you ever felt hopeless? It's a dark and dingy hole. They were convinced, absolutely convinced, that God had abandoned them. But Jeremiah, on God's behalf, he told them words that they did not want to hear. Same thing is happening today. We are being told, we are being given words by God that we don't want to hear. 
And in this particular case, it was live as normal of a life as you can, even though you are in exile. Dude, as we do, they had a hard time handling that. So what I'm hoping we can take home this evening is the following. I'm fully aware that being a Christian is not always easy. Can I get an amen? Uh, I figured, good. Sometimes it might feel, sometimes it might feel like a piece of cake. And so let's kind of pretend, and this is what we would hope for, if, if life were a connect-the-dots kind of puzzle, wouldn't it be great if, if a connect-the-dots, our life was a little bit like this one? Some of us would hope and would say that being a Christian is like this. Okay, I kind of see the dots, and actually I don't need to work all that hard because I can kind of see what it's supposed to be, right? Wouldn't that be great? That's kind of what we yearn for. And some of us think that that's what it means to be a Christian. Because I kind of get an idea and a picture, and it's really not going to be that tough. However, for many of us, the Christian life feels a lot more complicated. It feels like maybe something like this. Now, that's partially done, but there's a lot of dots. And if you're not working to connect the dots, boy, that could be one bungled up mess. But done rightly, done correctly, done obediently, how beautiful is that? So here's the main takeaway for tonight. God's Word. God's Word. The things that He says to you and to me. What is the purpose of God's Word? It helps us connect the dots. Do you have that experience in your own life? Often what we hear from the Lord does not make sense. We don't want to hear what he is saying. But, listen to me, if we want the dots of our lives connected in the best possible way, in the way that we were created to have them connected, we will need to listen to things God is saying that we might not want to hear. So as, as I was putting this together, I didn't do a lot of research. I didn't Google anything. I just, off the top of my head, I tried to think of several hard-to-hear things. And I want you to think of maybe you can come up with a few too. Hard-to-hear things from Scripture that God wants us to know and live by. Pick up your cross and do what? And follow me. That's in God's Word. Pick up your big, heavy, splintery, difficult cross and follow me. If you want to find your life, you need to what? Anybody know? If you want to find life, you need to lose it. You need to give it away, not hoard it. That's in Scripture. You need to lose it for the sake of Jesus. Love others as you would love yourself. Love your enemies? Love your enemies like smoochy-woochy with your, the people you despise? Whoa. Live a life? Many places in Scripture were encouraged to live a life of sexual purity. If you want dots connected in a holy way? Pay attention to these words. All things work, even car accidents. Even the day my dad died on a sidewalk in Mexico... I didn't believe this then. I had to wrestle with these words, but all things work for good for those that trust in Him. They do. 
I have a story of God's perfect timing in the aftermath of that. If someone is taking your coat, what are you supposed to do with your shirt? Give it to them. Honor your father and mother. Those are hard words in our culture. You're to have no other gods before me. All kinds of idols. All kinds of idols today. And you're to have no other god before me. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. We're so work-obsessed. But how many Christians actually take a day of recovery and recuperation and restoration? Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I had a conversation. I'll tell you about a prison trip that I just took last weekend. I'm having that conversation with a convict who is having a hard time listening to those words. Well, what do you mean? Only those that believe in Jesus are going to be saved? Mm -hmm. Hard thing. Salvation is not by works, but it's by grace through faith in Christ. If you say with your words, you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. What incredible words. Anybody have another one they thought of? of those are in here. So here's the verse given to God, by God to Israel, through the prophet Jeremiah to help them connect the dots while they were in exile. Here's the verse. We're going back to verse 7. Love this. They're in exile. They don't like where they're at. And God is saying, hey, the dots will be connected in the best possible way. Listen to what I'm saying, even though I know you don't want to, but listen, here are the words. They're the greatest gift I can give you. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Seek the welfare of the place you despise. And pray to the Lord on its behalf. And hear the kicker words. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. Whoa. Whoa. You want me to give away my brand new album? I kind of want to keep for myself. Pretty tough for the Israelites to hear these words. Pretty tough for us to hear. When I seek the welfare of someone else, even my enemy, the Bible says, I'll find my welfare. When we live paying attention to God's word, he will connect the dots in ways that we desperately need them connected. Two quick stories about that coming to life in my own life. I had a, my freshman year, I had a pick-of-the-pot freshman roommate. His name was Mike. He was great. We had a great hallway. I was just thankful to have Mike as a roommate. We got along really, really well. Mike was going to move on into the engineering house, the fraternity, and I was going to do the pick-of-the-pot again for my second year. Hey, it went well the first time. So during the first year, a bunch of guys, we would, we'd stay up late, and especially on weekends, and we'd play penny poker. But there was a guy named Andy, and I'm not the kind of guy that dislikes people, but I really did not like Andy because we're playing penny poker, and you know what Andy would do? He would cheat at penny poker. Give me a break. Cheat at penny poker? That's pretty lame, pretty low. Um, he was a pot smoker. He drank quite a bit. He was just kind of a crazy dude, and I just really didn't like hanging around him much. So along comes first semester, sophomore year, and uh, my roommate got there before I did, and I didn't know who he was, and I, started, and I arrived to my room, and guess who's putting up a poster in what's going to be our room? Andy Peterson. Really. I walked in, I saw Andy, and I walked out and I said, oh no. And Dad said, what? 
And I told them in Spanish so nobody else could understand. <laughs> so the Bible says, love your enemies, right? I didn't want to. And he kind of became an enemy because he wanted to smoke pot in our room. And I said, dude, you can't. I have friends that come over and visit. My mom and dad will come over. My grandma will come over. And I don't want people smelling pot in our room. Tim down the hallway smokes dope. Why don't you go into his room? Well, it's my room too. Dude, I'm pretty cool about this. Are you, I'm going to bust you. Don't smoke dope in our room. It was just fight after fight after fight after fight. <sighs> Not fun. I just tried to stay away as much as I possibly could. And he was going to go to a Genesis concert. That band Genesis, another old one. Right, Steve? Genesis, yes. Pete, anyway, okay. So, um, and I knew Andy was going to come home late. I knew he was going to come home high and hammered and drunk. And he'd already done, gone to several concerts and would come home and he threw up on the floor in the middle of the night. So Andy left. His bed had not been made. His clean laundry was on the table. And after he left, I said, what the heck? Love your enemy. So I folded his clothes and I put them away. I made his bed, fluffed up the pillow. I went and got a bucket and put it next to his bed. Sure enough, Andy comes home about 2.33 in the morning. About a half an hour later, that horrible sound. There he ralphs in the bucket. About a week and a half, two weeks later, I'm at my desk doing my homework. Again, Andy and I didn't talk much, but he comes in, gets something, and then he walks out the door. And he stops, and he walks back, and he says, Hey, Rico, that was my nickname. So, Rico, you know, and pardon the word, but this is exactly verbatim. You know the clothes and the, and the bucket and shit? Thanks. And he walks away. A dot got connected. Something happened between Andy and I that I give God the total credit and all of a sudden, our relationship changed. It wasn't a struggle. I did one act of kindness, felt selfish, but it was an act of kindness nonetheless, out of obedience. And something happened. I learned an important lesson. Second thing, last weekend, I had the privilege of being at a four-day prison retreat in Fort Dodge Correctional Center. Brothers in Blue, it's called. Four days in a room in a gym with about, at first it was about 80 inmates. Eventually got whittled down to 50 and we had 12, 13-hour days, nothing but sessions and prayer and worship and communion and discussion. It was amazing. At first, these guys, and then about 80% of them are, you know, some kind of felon there and a couple of several of them are repeat offenders. A lot of drug users, drug sellers, a few violent crime people. I'm at a table with a guy that's in for 70 years. Right to my left, Robert, second time. He was high on meth and managed to smash his girlfriend's car into a truck and got thrown in again. Another guy in for theft. One young kid who just couldn't stop using and kept getting caught and thrown in. First thing he wanted to do when he goes out at the beginning of the week was have a couple beers, smoke a joint, find a woman. By the end, he said, maybe you're right. Maybe that's not the best plan. He was hearing words that he didn't necessarily want to hear, but allowing them to absorb and have God connect the dots. The dots were connected in this prison to the tune of 17 new believers, 17 baptisms and four recommitments of faith. 
out of a group of about 55 guys that decided to stick with me. I've been in ministry a long time, folks, almost 30 years, and I've never been in a room where God moved in such a mighty way. So here is the dot that was connected for me. God says we're supposed to help the widows. When was the last widow you helped? God says we're supposed to feed the poor, really lean into helping the poor, the ones that are really poor. Some of you have gone on mission trips and you've done that. Why is it that the person that goes on a, on a, on a, on a work trip comes back spends hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars to go on a trip and they come back fulfilled and the, and the people that go to spring break and do a lot of drinking and partying, they come back thinking they're going to have the time. They come back, they feel miserable and horrible, but it's the people that actually did the serving. Why is it that they feel refreshed? God just connects the dots. And then this last one, visit those in prison. I'd never visited anyone in prison before like I did this last weekend and God did something incredible. So we don't want to hear these things. But when we do them, for me, when I did that out of obedience, I was given an invitation to come to this prison thing. I'm not sure I wanted to originally. Glad I had a chance to go and God showed up. And I saw him connect the dots in powerful ways. So, to end, over your break that's coming up, have a great one. Have a safe one. But maybe this. Maybe it's not about learning more in your faith? Just test this and see. Maybe it's not about more knowledge. Maybe it's this. It's listen closely to what you already have heard that you have been ignoring. You already have heard some things from God that are important to your life, but you've ignored it. You have that injury, but you're still injured because you've still been playing on it. Obey. Do it. Answer that call before you move on. God said that Israel would be in captivity for 70 years, and that was basically a lifetime for almost everyone that had heard these words in real time back then. But God promised that they would find blessing. God promised that they would find blessing by being a blessing to those that had captured them because... If they cared about the welfare of their captors, they would find their own welfare. So as the band comes back up for worship, what's your tough thing that you need to hear? What's the word that you know God is saying to you and has already been saying to you that you don't want to hear? Try paying attention over break and see what God does. Watch what God does to better connect the dots in your life and in your faith in His way, not yours, not mine, not ours. Let's pray. Jesus, thank You for this time together and thank You for Your love and care for us. Thank You for the words that You share with us by Your Spirit that we hear, that we listen, that we pay attention to, but also by your Spirit grant that we might be able to move to be as obedient to them as we possibly can. Help us to understand that it's not by doing these things that we're saved, because we are saved by what you've done on the cross for us, and we can't earn that. But you want us to live a full and abundant and a connected with the appropriate dots kind of life. And life is messy and complicated, and we've gone off in crazy directions. But you can rearrange that. 
Thank you for this series. Thank you for not being silent, even though sometimes we feel that we are. Grant us your grace and by your spirit help our hearts fully come before you in worship. Thank you for your love and grace. Thank you for your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey guys, um, let's stand and let's come forward um, out of your seats so that we can uh, just come together as one body and one church to sing some praises to God. Sing, let the king of my heart. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I ride, the fountain. 